the finger sucking has started, so that means everything's on the table. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. Let's put a smile on that face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be uh, I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. All right, hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. And this week we have a new release review, we have The Girl on the Train, and and to talk about this, of course, I have my regular co-host, Michael Denniston of War Machine vs. Warhorse, so thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm I'm back, and I wouldn't have been if it had been Birth of a Nation, so yeah. thank you for producing... The, the mainstream thriller that actually made money this week. I'm sure you're probably happy about that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. How. Never go against Emily Blunt. Like I think that's just a good rule in life. That's the just yeah. I would have to look at her IMDb to see what the last. I don't know. Was she in something with Jack Black that bombed like oh, a, a family I, film a few years ago? I hope not. I think so. But you know, yeah. she was in Sicario, and she was in Edge of Tomorrow. She was in Looper. I mean, even going back to things like The Devil Wears Prada, she's had like a pretty good career she's trustworthy at this point unlike uh certain other directors of films like birth of a nation uh definitely yeah don't trust him with your daughter (laughs) or with a drink like anything jesus christ (laughs) fucking scumbag yes all right so uh the girl on the train so uh i guess i'll just start i feel like this movie is what i feared gone girl would be when i first heard about gone girl like you know, over the top, a little campy, a little trashy, uh, but not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I liked it, and I think Emily Blunt's performance is way better than this movie deserves. Like, I mean, I think she's fantastic, but the movie itself, like, if you if you cast anybody else, I don't think this this is, this is like, barely watchable if anyone else is in it. Okay, so you had not read the book? No. Could you follow what the hell was going on? I don't think it mattered, but no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because that was the thing. Like I, I think know, that's why the twist got me. Was I was like, yeah, I have no idea what's happening with anyone. See, I, don't, I, I mean, I won't. You know, we're not in spoilers, but I don't feel like the twist works at all here because it feels like we just kind of skip through. All right, you know, Emily Blunt is drunk again, which I thought was laughably uh, shot, and like their yes. version of being drunk yes. was like something from The Hangover or something. It's but her like, performance sh- of being drunk, like on the train, I thought was really good. Well, I think it's hard for her to be bad. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that the character she's playing, having read the book, is not nearly as interesting as the one in the book. Like I feel like mm. I read a review where it said it was a positive review said that this film sort of embraces the trashiness of the source material. Um, I don't really think it does. I think it tries to soften a lot of the, the edge and you know, this was not high art. This is like the the book is a fun beach read type material, like no more, no less. Uh, There's a reason it was very popular, but I think unlike gone girl, it doesn't allow this cast of characters and don't get me wrong. All of them are meant to be despicable. They're all pretty much horrible people. You wouldn't want to hang around. Um, the you know the new wife, the ex-wife, the the missing babysitter, the psychiatrist, all of them, them very <laughs> flawed. Them. Yes, but uh, yeah, they really decide to take out some of the bad things that they do, 
And I think that Emily Blunt doesn't get to play the character that I imagine. I imagine it was going to be a role that she could kill from the, mm. from the book, but that's a lot of that's taken out. And poor Haley Bennett, little you know Jennifer Lawrence yeah. clone, star of the uh, Magnificent Seven. So on a roll, star now. of the Magnificent Seven <laughs> as the progressive female character that can <laughs> that does nothing. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> she can shoot things, but we won't let her. But don't bother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're um, still wearing a skirt, so do nothing. I think it's even worse here in this film. Like yes. there's these two gratuitous. Uh, sex scenes kind of in flashback that are just building her up as some sort of object. And she's mm-hmm. already sort of that as a plot device. She's the girl that goes missing. And right. in the book, it is very evenly divided as far as uh, by sections that you get to know all three of the, the lead female characters right. here. And that's, that's not the case at all. So I was, I was disappointed coming from the book. So I'm really interested mm-hmm. uh, with you not having that in mind, how the film works just as, you know, a gone girlish movie thriller. Yeah. I mean, I think it works fine. I thought actually, I thought Haley Bennett's portrayal was pretty good despite it being trashy and over the top. I think with what she was working with, like she, she did really well. Like there's a, there's a kind of spoilerful scene uh, of her in the bathtub. And I thought that scene worked really well. and was actually the most, one of the most emotionally affecting moments um, of the film and you get to understand a lot more about her character and why she does the thing she does, like maybe why she's made some of the mistakes in her life that she's made and why it affects her. Uh, I thought she was really See, that's good. interesting because I, when I was watching it, I felt like, and maybe this is just a comparison of, you know, our uh, respective intelligence there, because I felt like if I didn't have the cliff notes, or I guess in this case, the opposite of that, the longer version the written actual me, book, I would be like, what the fuck are you, what is this? What the hell is that? Like, I, it's, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's shoehorned into this quick little sort of therapy sequence that I'd be like, you did what? And then it's like, oh, it's gone. Oh, that's, that's, that's the reason that she, you know, feels the way she does about this sort of domestic life that she uh, now finds herself in is because of this this event and i yeah i thought I, I yet again i feel like they're trying to soften the edge a little mm. bit like i had to go back and think like is this a pg-13 movie no it's r why why are they hiding so so much of the bad that happens to these characters here and right um yeah i, don't, I mean obviously you have it used as a device with emily blunt's character that she forgets a lot of the bad events in her life that's you know she's an alcoholic and she's trying to sort of numb all this this pain, but I felt like that was the way it was used in the book was a little bit of a cheat. And mm. here it feels very much like we're just spinning our wheels until someone, <laughs> Lisa Kudrow, takes her signs. Okay. Like, here's what's up. So when that happens, <laughs> okay, when Lisa Kudrow first shows up in this movie, because she has such a recognizable voice, like they don't even show her. She's on the outside of the train about to get on. And in my head, I was like, that fucking Lisa Kudrow. And sure enough, she shows up. And I was like, and it was one of those moments that I think because she's not in that many movies, it actually kind of took me out of it for a minute. It's jarring. It's yeah. like she she's playing the fucking architect from the Matrix. It's like <laughs> let me sit you down, Blunt. Yeah, and here's, here's what let the me world explain means. this to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, the other thing, and this is your fault. Uh, the whole movie, you had uh, posted this uh, this article, this interview with Emily Blunt about how you know <laughs> she. A lot of people were like, she can't play that role. She's not ugly enough. She's not big enough. All these things, and she was like, trust me, I look awful in this movie. I look like a ghoul. You know, I, like trust me. Once you see the movie, it'll be different. And I kept looking at her like, 
bitch, on your worst day, you still look great. Are you kidding me? Like, that is That's not – like, even when she's drunk. Looks, uh, really good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, come yeah. on. Stop it. So that took me out think, of it a little bit just a, because yeah. of that article. Yeah. But. I mean, I think it's a, it's a silly thing for movie stars to have to defend. I mean, they're, they're yeah. goddamn movie stars. You're supposed I, to be beautiful. That's your job. Yeah. I mean, when I initially heard that was the part she was playing, I, I wouldn't say, oh, that's how I imagine this character to look. I would have thought right. Emily Blunt like was playing one of the other right. roles, but then I was like, "Well, that's cool. She's a great actress, so that'll be yeah. that'll be interesting." Yeah, trying to say that you know you look enough like the part. Like we did a movie uh, that you know everyone has probably forgotten about or doesn't care about, but I'm going to mention anyway. Um, War Dogs. Oh. Jonah Hill looked nothing like <laughs> right. the dude, and he's playing a part. It feels like they didn't change at all, where he's like some sort of ladies' man who just like is a smooth talker. And the dude is like gigantic and it's glorious. Like yeah. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that so much. And I kept wondering, I'm like, because that's probably not, you know, that article, that Vandy Fair article is nowhere near on the pop culture scale of the girl on the train. I was like, would people, they would have really been deprived of sort of the one interesting thing about that film, which was Jonah Hill in that part. Right. Just because he doesn't look like the dude that he's playing, but who cares? Who right. cares? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a shout out to Warthogs. Yeah, eight people who thought. (laughs) Um, I think the thing that upset me the most about this movie, though, is one of the reasons I was excited about this movie is that Rebecca Ferguson was going to be in it. And really, the only thing I've seen her in was Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. And I loved her performance. I thought she was fantastic. Like she shares the screen with Tom Cruise and – and there's not a moment where you're like, oh, God, she can't handle the spotlight. Like she was awesome, fantastic. And I was like, great. She's going to be in more movies. And then she's not bad here. There's just nothing there. There's nothing for her to do. It's a totally – anybody – any woman off the street could play this part. There's not – there's nothing for her to sink her teeth in. She's just kind of blah for the whole movie. And that was that was pretty sad because I'd like to see her get better opportunities than this. It was it was there in the uh, the novel – um that's just you know it's a just under two hour film and she's she may be even more of a device than Haley bennett yes and she's you know involved in the story more because she's not the girl that goes missing but she is just uh the sort of clueless wife at home who's very fragile and very stressed out and the only time we ever really get to see her is when she's reacting to the drunken ex of right. her husband who shows up. And that's not really a fair assessment of her character. So we're no. only really seeing it from uh, Rachel's eyes, Emily Blunt's character. I think it would have been, uh, I mean, it would have been very different, but if you're not going to have time to do the other character service, and I feel like Emily Blunt is one that is shortchanged and probably the best part, the best role. I really think you should just done away with the other perspectives and just made it her story, her right. little, you know, drunken, detective case that she's on (laughs) and just be done with it because you you have these jarring uh title cards where it's like anna four months ago right and i i I was trying to imagine like wow okay i'm just watching the movie why do i care anna anna who and why do i care that it's four months ago and they dropped that pretty quickly too like this i did notice that gone girl doesn't do right I did notice that, like, the first, yeah, in Gone Girl, it's always, like, you know, two days after she's gone or, like, four months. Like, it's very mm-hmm. clear what's happening. Right, And I right. think, you know, just like in an action movie, you need kind of geography to help you so you yes. know what's happening. Yeah. The same thing here. Like, you don't have that that kind of timeline. 
you're just like, oh, this is in the past. This is now. Okay, I don't know why, but you know, in the way when you have those title cards, you do expect that like this is a really important character, and we're going to see her point of view more than once or twice in the movie. But like, like you said, all the stuff with Anna just kind of gets dropped. Like she's kind of important in the beginning. Uh, when she's first introduced and then after that it's just like she's a she's a figurehead like she's just there to be the new wife and that's it yep she's she is the the homestead and uh then we have the the suspicious men which is fine uh two of them yelling and screaming and one of them (laughs) being like you know just the the worst psychiatrist (laughs) i feel like you know, there's it's a very small cast. It's almost you know like you could you could see this as some sort of stage play, right? Because it's yeah. like there's not even though it's there's a goddamn train in it, <laughs> it just feels like a very small world. Like oh, we're in the backyard, <laughs> we're in the kitchen, we're in everyone the bedroom. lives like two blocks from one another. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just... yeah, sure. <laughs> like so, what the problem for me is if I was just watching this for the mystery, unlike Gone Girl, which kind of gives up the goose in the the middle of the story yeah like right at the halfway point yeah and then it's then it's cool to see it from the the flip side uh and to see how they're gonna you know really resolve the the events of the mystery here i felt like we're kind of just twiddling our drunken thumbs with emily (laughs) blunt Uh, and i I will admit that i did drink quite a bit for i because i was trying to be you know thematic i was trying to be in the the in with the character yes not because the red sox you and david price was getting blown out of the water Uh, in the postseason but goddamn cleveland so that would drive anyone to drink (laughs) yes um but you know we have a very small cast and we don't spend enough time with uh, certain characters, so you kind of just disregard them, and you're only left with like, well, it's that person or that person. So right. When we get to the reveal at the end, I'm like, well, okay, fifty-fifty coin flip. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. The, right. That's the one. That's, okay. <laughs> and then, unlike Gone Girl, uh, which I know the author has uh, kind of hinted or stated that she uh, doesn't really like all the comparisons, but you know, she's rich now because of Gone Girl. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. Unlike that film, the resolution to the mystery is pretty quick. And yeah. then you, you get everything and it's it doesn't I don't think it illuminates any of the remaining characters like it's supposed to. I don't think you're left with a uh, somewhat unsettled feeling about how they uh, handled like the villain here. Right. I just felt like, OK, now it's just time to go home. Now it's just over. right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think I, I one thing I liked just uh, as a side note is that Allison Janney was in a movie again. Like I, I like her as a presence. I liked her as the detective, but again, not a whole lot to do. She's just pretty much playing the standard police detective. But it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, I like her. I like to see her on screen. So that was good to see. I would uh, like to have seen her drunk and doing. Uh, is it the jackal? The, the jackal. Yes. Yes. I love it. I, that's what I was thinking about. You can tell where my head was at, which I don't think. I don't know if many other people in the audience shared that little fantasy I was having, but just yeah, you and me, was, buddy. That's, that's fantastic. You should throw that clip in right now, so when I'm listening to this again, I can just you can I don't just know, I can just have I can just bask in the, you the glory drift of away Allison Janney into the into the jackal. Yes, absolutely. She's so cool. He's not going to want to miss the jackal. <laughs> Street 
bump with Jeff Brackenridge. Leo gave it to me because he thinks you're burned out on Mendoza. I told him I thought that was ridiculous. What do you think? Are you talking to me during the jackal? I was just... <laughs> Never talk to me during the jackal? She should have been one of the, the main characters here, not just the. You know what? She's the only one thing since. That yeah. was the problem. She's so good here that I'm just like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Can I just go home with a detective? Can yes. we just have a romantic comedy about her life? She's yes, great. Please. Sold. So the other thing that this movie got me thinking about is movies that end with a twist. And uh-huh. we're obviously not going to go into what that twist is here because we're not in spoilers. Man, it's not that interesting. It's, it's really not. <laughs> no. Um, I just got to thinking that. In general, movies with a twist don't work for me. Not that the twist doesn't surprise me or it doesn't make sense. Not that. It's just like now I can never watch the movie again because who cares? Like I know hmm. I know what's coming. I think that's what makes Gone Girl so great is it gives up it gives up that twist an hour and a half into the movie. And then you have to like go on this journey afterwards. So it's still there's still important things going on. But like once you take away the twist from a movie like this, other than Emily Blunt's performance – there's not that much to lean on here. I can't imagine rewatching this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I can somewhat see your point. Um, but I mean, do you feel that way about like comedies as far as like, because comedy is also about surprise. And so you can't really get that um, that reaction to something like jarring you into like a, 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 a laugh. Um, yeah, but I, you, can you rewatch comedies? Like, I, I see what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. I think uh, two things. One, comedies, like there's, a bunch of surprises, right? So it's like some of them will still work on rewatch and some of them won't. But if you have a movie with a twist at the end where kind of everything turns on a dime and if a twist works, then everything you thought you knew you were wrong, right? So then you go back and watch it again and you already see it coming. So the most you can do is maybe watch it twice to kind of look for the hints of the twist coming. But because so much of the kind of the momentum of the movie completely changes direction at the end of a movie like this, it makes it hard to rewatch for me. Hmm. Yeah, I think the the issue with this here and I'm, you know, 
hesitant to, to say these words is it may have just been better served in this climate as some sort of TV miniseries or something on HBO. Right. Because it would have, you know, it's it somewhat, you know, episodic on the, in the novel form where you're going to spend an entire hour with, with Rachel or Megan or Anna. Uh, and what's really missing about this film is some sort of rooting interest. And, yeah. um, you know, as, as I said, they're all somewhat unlikable characters, but it then gets into degrees of unlikability, which is sort of interesting to play with your audience to see like how much can they handle as these right. characters sort of reveal themselves. There's just not enough time for it here. It's just like, it's just, they kind of just are who they are. She's just the drunk and she's brokenhearted. And there's like one, there's only one scene that kind of got to like the feeling uh, of kind of trashy fun that I really liked about the book and it's done much better in a movie that was in my top 10 last year, which was Queen of Earth. And it's when Rachel is out drunk with a woman in a bathroom and she just starts going nuts. Like, that was an enjoyable the, the moment of this movie. And yes. it's so, you know, it doesn't even really fit with the rest of the film because that's like none of her other drunken escapades have that sort of anger and self-loathing and rage. Like she's mostly sad, sad and wounded. And I, right. I you, you, you give that to me and, you know, I want to. I want it to go full uh, dressmaker. I mean, you know, another recent film I saw, which is a damn comedy, where it's about a woman like who's going to unleash rage on these people that have wronged her, and yeah, that that really set me up for expectation on her performance, and it just doesn't follow through. So, spoiler alert: there's no for all the Queen of Earth dressmaker super fans. Uh, the film doesn't <laughs> go in that direction. <laughs> Shocking, shocking that there are. I got War Dogs, Queen of Earth, Dressmaker. Ooh, so many hashtags for this episode. Where to begin? How to how to publicize this? My goodness. How can I fit Suicide Squad into this? I think Margot Robbie was supposed to originally play Megan. So there you go. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I, I find myself wondering also is this a case of me enjoying this movie because 2016 sucks? Uh, and I just have such low expectations for every time I walk into the theater now. Or was it actually you know like? What? I, I want to interrupt. I, I, you know, girl on the train. Uh, fuck it. You know, whatever. It's kind of disappointing because uh, I, I know when you and I get together, uh, we we bitch and complain, and I'm usually what? like asking you why you made me watch this, and <laughs> movies are terrible. So yeah, 2016, especially the big releases have been pretty bad. But you know, someone asked me. You know, what can you recommend from 2016? And there was actually a lot more yeah. than I remembered. I mean, you got so like they, Everybody Wants Some and Green Room yeah. and yeah. Hell or High Water. Yeah. Neon sure. Demon. Yep. Uh, I just mentioned The Dressmaker. De Palma. I don't know if you've seen that. The Nice Guys. I don't know, but you keep bringing fun. up De Palma. Someday I'll see it. We'll have to have a conversation Is about it. Is not, it uh, not available on Amazon yet? Like, I don't understand. Don't, it's got to be available. I, don't I think, think it's so. even on video. Like, go, you know, if you're Redbox in the Bay Area has De Palma. Uh, that's that should be a side bet we have. Which red box <laughs> closer to our houses has? And if Kentucky wins, God help you. It probably does. Like <laughs> that would not yeah. surprise me at all. Uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Another, yep. you know, Margot Robbie. There. I don't. I think the year has not been that bad. It's the big so, releases that that have really. And been this disappointing. is one of them. This is this is obviously a big. You know, uh, really, it's not a big budget film, but it's one that they clearly knew they they could make some money off of, and they did this yeah. opening weekend. So. Yeah, I would say mainstream entertainment. Uh, I don't even know if I named one. The Nice Guys, maybe the only thing I named that had a, <laughs> a wide release this summer. Um, and that barely yeah, had a wide release, yeah. 
But we got it, Dave. 2016, you know, I don't think you should fully excuse uh, Girl on the Train, is what I'm saying. I, I think it's uh, it had a good enough premise that this could have been a solid double. And I don't even know if they're attempting that here. It's kind of like they, they slap one to the outfield. Hashtag MLB playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I guess it was like it was just good enough to keep me engaged, but there's not a lot there that will be there on rewatch. It's not something that I'm going to tell all my friends like, Oh, you got to see this. It was so incredible. It's not, it's not gone girl. Like I think gone girl really upped. It kind of upped the ante at what can be done with this kind of subject material, because it's a similar subject material. It's also David Fincher. And this is from the director of the help. There it is. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. uh, So at this point, let's go into spoilers because there's a couple things uh, I want to mention and really just complain about. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. I'll peek at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Tried to make this positive nope. there, and now we're nope. going back into it. All Jesus. Right. So as I'm watching this movie with Britt, uh, of course, the scene with the psychiatrist happens where he ends up fucking one of the main characters, right? Sure. Uh, and like you do, obviously, <laughs> ethics codes be damned. Who cares? Uh, and she's like just staring at me going like, oh, you must be fucking hating this right now. And I was like, honestly, uh, not necessarily because, yeah, these ethics codes are in place for a reason, but there's a reason they're in place, right? Because there are bad people in every in every uh, profession. Doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. The thing that bothered me is like he instigates this physical contact and then she's like, basically on her knees in front of him sucking his fingers and that's the point where he goes you know we can't work together if you're going to behave like this i'm like now now you say that maybe how dare you how (laughs) dare you suck my fingers (laughs) i was just like it's a little late man we're already there you cannot work together anymore like okay well i'm glad you said that because i (laughs) i thought you were going a different direction it's like well it's already done, so let's, get, let's no, no, consummate no. this. No. <laughs> the finger sucking has started, so that means everything's on the table. And I have a feeling that's going to be at the top of the show. What? Now. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, most likely. Yeah, so, I mean, that plot line, it was also another, like, really good actor, an actor I really like that is kind of wasted here. There's not much for Edgar Ramirez to do here either. And I just keep wondering, like, other than the fact that this movie was obviously going to make money, is that, like, the only reason people signed on for this? Was they're like, okay, this will make some money at the box office and then I can cash in and do what I want to do? Because I can't imagine someone reading this script and going, like, man, I can't wait to be in that. I do. I do think there probably had to be a lot more um, that is just, you know, just didn't make the cut. I do think that. Right. I mean, because I, I, I can't imagine you would strip the novel so bare and be like, all right, we're good. So I'm, <laughs> you know, I think it's just it's just something where, you know, they maybe, you know, the book, unless it's handled the right way, it could just be really depressing. Like, I mean, your central character is an alcoholic who gets beat up at, on her quest to you know, regain the, since we're in spoilers now, uh, regain the love and affection of an abusive ex-husband who is now embroiled in an affair and uh, ends up being the killer of a missing woman uh, who was also in a kind of possibly 
uh, abusive relationship. Certainly oh, yeah, emotionally also, abusive, if not. She also yeah. killed her baby when she was younger. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff here where I can see some pressure to be like, let's just make this more of a thriller. Let's just let's right. just speed it up because if we if we sort of let the audience, we give them enough time to hang out with these people to party, they're gonna be like, why why am I why do I enjoy this? Why do I like right. this? So yeah, I can see that. I just feel like that's why you have to have. Uh, someone with a little more clout like Fincher that's like, no, no, Ben Affleck is going to be an asshole. And we're going to sort of revel in the fact of what an asshole he is. Right. But the, the the point of the story is, is that he's an asshole that probably didn't deserve that. Right. I think the <laughs> but Doogie di- Hauser did. I think Doogie Hauser certainly deserved like, it. <laughs> that creepy Doogie. I think the real difference here is Gone Girl, whether it's because of direction or acting or writing, they have despicable characters who are charming. I think both Amy and Nick are charming people, especially like when they show them first meeting where none of these characters like you wouldn't want to talk to any of these people for longer than five minutes. Like this is not these are not the people you want to hang out with. But if you only have some of the information about some of the characters in Gone Girl, you could see like how they kind of got in good with people. Whereas like everyone here, you're just like, like you said, you're not you don't know who to root for. Like the well, it's the, interesting. The because... best person to root for is the alcoholic who keeps making like harassing phone calls to her ex husband. Like that's that's your pinnacle. Yeah, because in both these stories, they're about women who are are crafting a fiction, um, right? To to better some aspect of their life. And Gone Girl is, is to cover up a crime. Like it, it, we're gonna, I'm going to write this love story gone wrong uh, to you know put my my <laughs> philandering husband. Uh, on on death row, and here it's like far you do. more sad. You know, totally normal. Because as you said, Emily Blunt, you know her her fantasy is she's projecting her her own failure on this other couple. So it's it is kind of interesting that she's passing her ex husband's uh, house that she shared with him with his new wife and baby, and it, you know it's uh, very traumatizing because she you know they do show that she couldn't have kids and that was important to them and that she's thinking that's the failure of her in the relationship. Uh, but she's following this girl so she can project anything on them. And right. I don't think like the film, like with a lot of stuff gives enough time showing that rage that she would have that she blames this woman who cheats on her husband for, for breaking this illusion of a perfect life that she also couldn't have. And right. that that's, I don't know. That's just sort of quickly dealt with. Like even with poor the Jackal, even with Alison Channing, <laughs> like she's just, she's kind of like Lisa Kudrow. She just is, is there to kind of, uh, let the audience know, like, hey, don't you think Emily Blunt's suspicious? But right. since you're you're forcing that information down our throats by having a character just say it, and you really don't trust the audience to come to that conclusion, I feel like because you have a character speak, it's like, oh, no, she is trustworthy. She's not the one. Like, right. because you're saying she's not trustworthy, well, I need to start looking somewhere else. Let's look to the DJ from Zoolander. He's the one no one's talking about, so he's probably the one that did it. <laughs> I love that that is your go-to <laughs> for Justin Thoreau. That's fucking fantastic. Wasn't, isn't that how you got a start? That was I his start. I, yep. Right, absolutely. Well, yeah. It wasn't, he was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in Mulholland Drive, you asshole. Come on. Get it together. <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm trying to only really talk about the classics here. And oh, not, my know, mistake. Not, not failed TV pilots that couldn't even go oh, to ABC. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, he was also so, an American psycho. Does that do anything for you? No? I don't remember his card being that impressive. So no. <laughs> Excellent. Well played. 
Yeah, actually, uh, he's my least favorite part of the movie. Like, it's a lot of it's because of the twist. Like, it's not convincing at all. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, it's it's too much of a twist. It's too much of a turn. Like, I think for a twist to really work, you should be able to watch the movie and kind of look back immediately and be like, "Holy shit!" That all adds up. And this, they just. They just use the idea that like she doesn't remember anything, so it could be anyone or anything. Like uh... yet again, you soften the edge of Rachel by not showing what a complete fuck up she was in their marriage. You get one little sliver of that with a golf club, where you, you see that it was oh no, it was actually the other way, and so she's she's taken all this guilt and shame on their failed marriage, putting herself in rewritten history, the complete opposite of Gone Girl in her own life, where she's pegged herself as this horrible person. And right. he's great, and he put up with her for so long. Let us live with the characters a little bit longer, and those, you know, then there will be some sort of payoff. Yeah, but I think actually, happen. I think actually, the golf club scene is one of the scenes that bothered me the most because they show that scene where at first you think she's the one who breaks the mirror and he looks terrified, and then later he's talking to his wife and telling her that his ex, she's not dangerous. Don't worry. I was like, I don't know. If someone tried to hit me in the head with a fucking golf club. I don't think I would say that to anybody like I would like so immediately I'm like, OK, I can't trust this guy. So it's it's already heading down that path. And it just seemed like kind of sloppily done from a screenwriting perspective. Yeah, it's just all I don't know. I, I don't know who to blame. We'll blame the editors, blame the, the script, we'll blame uh, the help, I guess, here, the, the direction of the help. He also did get on up, which I don't think was that good either. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Taylor Tate. I don't know. Not who I think of when I think, um, you know, some sort of. Uh, I think he said he was trying to go for like a Hitchcockian vibe. Oh, I'm like, All right, stop, dude. <laughs> stop. Let it go, man. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, I, again, I just think part of it is just my love for Emily Blunt. And I think she's fantastic and everything. And I think she's really good here. And it's worth watching for that performance. But the movie as a whole really struggles. My recommendation to your listeners, and I know they, they take my word as gospel. She plays a better drunk in five-year engagement. In one sequence – she is a more terrifying, more lovable, uh, more rage-filled drunk. You know, I haven't that, seen that, that movie. Well, Dave. I know. All right, so you I really know. have to take – all right. So, yeah, listen to me. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Emily Blunt Superman has not seen oh, five look, there come the edits. with you? I know where I'm editing. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> this host is terrible. <laughs> At least this host shows up every week. Uh, so. That's why you're terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's you gotta true. Take, I gotta take some time. Where, have you have you thought about just releasing something that has nothing to do with that movie at all? Like I don't know. Like maybe a, a car trip that you take to work or something, where you're just talking to yourself or just no. I don't know yeah, eating breakfast. That just sounds like my early episodes. I don't need that again. <laughs> me just talking to myself. No, sir. <laughs> If you had done Birth of a Nation and I had, you know, trust you enough to be like, all right, I hope Dave really, you know, took this guy down a bit. And then it was just you having breakfast with your wife. <laughs> I would I would be like, you know, five stars. Uh, everyone, please share this episode. It is genius. It's spectacular. So, uh, oh, before you go, is there anything coming up on War Machine versus War Horse that you want to sure. tell people? I, uh, yeah, if people want to hear me um, make strange comparisons to the girl on the train, I saved some that I didn't repeat here uh, that were used in our episode that I was convinced by Ben Zook, who's basically my uh, the, the sixth man off the bench for me here <laughs> on Pop Culture Case Study. Yep. <laughs> uh, he, he convinced me to do uh, a girl on the train episode, which I really didn't have any intention of doing. Uh, but the movies we picked are 
not thrillers and they are far more depressing. It's Woody Allen's interiors and uh, the house of sand and fog from the early 2000s starring Jennifer Connelly. And it is, uh, you know, we're not using a sort of train uh, connective tissue there, but it is about women who have in some form or fashion uh, been exiled from their homes and the the problems that, that come from that. So it's a uh, it's a really fun episode. Yeah, it sounds it's very really light. Hard. It's good. I like it. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll take a break and then come back with Fangirl Fixation for Britt to tell us what's coming out next week. This is Chris Maynard. I'm host of the following films podcast. Every week I discuss a current release with one of the creative forces behind the film. Whether it's Giles Nutkins talking Hell or High Water, Leah Thompson discussing her work on Trouble with the Truth, or Jeremy Sandy chatting about his work on Deep Water Horizon. You can find our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you find podcasts. Even better yet, you can go to followingfilms.com, check out our latest episode, get some film news, reviews, and all sorts of goodness. Uh, that was my son, Jacob. He says hello, and he really wants you to check out the show. All right, so it's time for Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Say hello, Britt. Hello, Britt. I feel like it's been a while since we've done this. I know we only yeah, missed a week. You, no, it's because you don't like me anymore. What are you talking about? You're censoring me. You're taking me off the show slowly by slowly. Slowly by slowly? Yep. That's uh, one way to look at it, I guess. Not even drinking today, folks. All right. Uh, anything you want to talk about other than the movies coming out? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. No. So this week we have uh, three new releases. Four, I guess, if you include the Kevin Hart uh, comedy movie. I really want to see that. I know you do. <sighs> but like, what are we going to talk Like, He's funny. I want to see it. Yeah, me too. That's pretty much it. Like, that's all there is to say. So I don't know. I think that his whole little, like, trailer and preview is pretty damn clever. Yeah, it's clever. Yeah. And it's been a long time since we've had a, like, a big enough comedy star to have a, like, wide-release movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're going back to things like Eddie Murphy in the 80s, like, when you had the it actual happy. theatrical release. So Bless he's small and has a good last name. He does have a good last name. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. So, the first movie we're going to talk about uh, sucks. I'm just going to say it uh, up front. Uh, Max Steel. Oh, The God. trailer I made you watch yesterday. I, yeah, I kept wishing the network would fail again. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch this. Please, internet, just shut down. Uh, that looks really bad. Like, even worse than I expected it to. Because I had heard about People are going to like it. And that's you gonna, think so? Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to. I think really? this is going to fail. I think it's going to be like that stupid cheesy thing where people were like, oh, it's so cute. But think about like it's coming out this week. Had you heard anything about it? Fair. No. You know what I mean? Like it's just. So, yeah. um, It's like a less annoying version of Navi. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit less annoying. Not by much. Mm -mm. Uh, But yeah, like the whole trailer is kind of it's set up very obviously kind of like a video game where they're kind of guiding you through the beginning and like getting your powers and all this nonsense and it just and the acting in it looks bad like there there's lines in the trailer that were supposed to be clever and funny and none of them really worked for me you mean like your heart rate is increasing right right you yeah. should stop talking to that girl that that seemed you're... like very stolen from baymax yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah but it was like cute in big hero six yeah uh it didn't really work but that's here. what i'm saying like yeah. they didn't they didn't deliver it in a way that should have been and you can see that by watching big hero six yeah absolutely so that's a definite no, I think, uh, yeah, for no, both of us. That's yeah. not happening. You can't pay me enough. Yeah. Um, so the second movie is Desierto, uh, which we saw a trailer for. Yeah. Um, which is essentially, it takes place at the U.S.-Mexican border, and there's like a guy like out there hunting illegal uh, immigrants, right. essentially. 
Um, so what did you what did you think of the the trailer? Okay, so I'm not really sure what this trailer is supposed to make me feel. Well, what did it make you feel? Confusion and worry. Okay. Because like I like it looks like it's supposed to be set up that like the the illegals, which feels gross even saying, mm-hmm. um, are the are supposed to be like the protagonists. They're supposed to be the people that mm-hmm. you're rooting for, and obviously like this guy that's protecting the border thinks you know his the hunter mm-hmm. is is a bad guy, right? Like logically, yes, that is what you are supposed to see. Oh, so you're worried people are going to view this the other way around. Right. Mm. Like, especially with the current political era and everything. Like, I'm afraid that this is going to become a thing where people are going to turn the hunter into this hero. And, like, that's what you should do. And that there's going to be even more people now that are going to go out and do that and, like, use this as ideas. Oh, interesting. So I feel like like, that's that's my concern about it. Like, the movie itself, I'm like, like, I think it's going to be a really good thriller and suspense flick. I mean, it looks to me like a straight up horror movie. No. Yeah. Right. Right. So Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think plays a great villain. Like he was the guy who played uh, the comedian in uh, Watchmen. Yeah. 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 Like he, he has a great presence and is kind of charming, but terrifying. Yeah. So my concern more is not so much if the movie is going to be good or bad, but what people are going to take away from it. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, I think the good thing is, given who the director is, the director is uh, Jonas Cuaron, who is Alfonso Cuaron's son, who did like uh, Gravity and the third Harry Potter movie and Mm. uh, Children of Men, like really, really good director. So he's, you know, he's, he's Hispanic. Right. So I think it's fair to assume that the movie is going to be told in a way where he's definitely the best. And that's what I'm saying, though, is like, like any logical, like person who has mm-hmm. common sense can see what that movie is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that not happening right this now. This is just coming down to your lack of faith in the human race. I Pretty much. Is what this is about. Uh, but yeah, like as a movie, like I'm actually, I'm looking forward to it. Although anytime there is a movie that is a thriller or a horror movie and there's a dog in it, I'm worried from the beginning, because I'm going to have to probably watch a dog fucking die. Yeah. Uh, because the dog is, like, an attack dog in this. Which, I again, guess. is another thing that, like, gets me upset, because then it's always painting dogs into a bad light, and, like, they do what they're trained to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I think it, I mean, it, like, from terms of looks, like, the trailer looks beautiful, like, the landscape that they mm-hmm. use, and, and the setting, and you do really get that sense of terror. Yeah. Just from the trailer. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to this. Like, I think it's going to be good. But uh, not great reviews on uh, IMDb, of all places, so far. So far, 5.6 out of 10, hmm. which is super low for IMDb. So uh, How many privileged white men are on that? Yeah, probably a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. Yeah. Um, so uh, the third and final movie, and the movie we'll be covering on the show, is The Accountant. Oh, yeah. I want to see that. You want to see that? Yeah. Okay. I want to see it. Anything else, or just no? I just want to see it. it. What did you like about it? What did you like about the trailer? That his OCD is worse than me, and he shoots things. Okay. (laughs) I wish you guys could see Dave's face. It's better that you don't. Trust me, (laughs) way better that you don't. No, I don't know. Like, I'm not particularly sure how I feel about Ben Affleck being in this role. Um, I'm glad, like, it fits. Like, the look of him fits for it to be like an accountant. Um, So I'm kind of glad that it's not going to be like. Jason Statham trying to do math because that's laughable. <laughs> right, right. Um But yeah, I don't know. Like it just it looks like it will be 
good. Like yeah. everything that I miss in action movies and has to be better than the last Jason Bourne movie. So yes, it definitely. It's not really giving it high praise though. It's also got a good cast. Like not only Ben Affleck, but Anna Kendrick. Yes. Um, John Bernthal, um, who's recently become very well known for being the Punisher on uh, the Daredevil TV show. Oh, they and, can't see me nod. Right. And uh, J.K. <laughs> Simmons and John Lithgow. Like, it's a no, yeah. it's a good cast. Um, it was one of those movies, I, way before I saw the trailer, all I knew was Ben Affleck was in it, and I saw kind of the synopsis, and I was like, wow, that looks like a piece of shit. Like, I have no interest in, like, an accountant who works for bad guys. I was like, oh, God, that sounds terrible. Yeah. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, you know what? This might actually work. Like, yeah. this might be a fun, like, action genre movie. Like, not something that's going to you know, win a bunch of awards or anything, but fun. Yeah. You know? And, but one thing that kind of ruined it for me is I was talking to someone on Twitter and like, how much more excited would you be about this movie if they just switched the characters of Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick? Like, how much cooler would this be if mm. she was like the accountant who worked for all these bad guys and he was, he just kind of wandered into her life? Yeah. Like, I think that's a much more interesting story, actually. Yeah, that would have been. But the thing is, is like, but first of all, woman. Ladies. Secondly, uh, a female with a mental illness diagnosis is also something that everybody stays away from because, you know, women can only be bipolar or borderline. depressed or yeah. borderline. Sure. They can't have anything else. They, you know, they can't have, like, anything on the spectrum that would make them a genius. Nope. nope. Um, Not That allowed. doesn't happen. Um, uh, but in, in particular to that, though, like, specifically... Anna Kendrick, I would have a hard time seeing her in that kind of role. Like, I I'd like to see her try, though. Yeah. I think she's not given too many opportunities to She's getting stretch. stuck into the funny girl role. Yeah, the funny girl, the cute girl, yeah. the, like, the girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. So I would, yeah. I would I would like to definitely see that gender switched. And, like, I would be interested in seeing what Anna Kendrick can do outside of comedy. Right. Um, but that's never going to happen. Not, right. Not with the way Hollywood is currently. Yeah. I also, I also think, like, I don't know, I feel like Ben Affleck is has gotten a worse rap in terms of acting. He's gotten a worse rap than he deserves because of his private life being very public. I think he's gotten a lot of backlash. From... I don't particularly think he's a bad actor. I just... No, I don't either, and that's what I'm saying. But I think people, like, tend to shy away from some of his movies because, like, oh, God, Ben Affleck. You know, and it's very much right. a thing about, like, his marriages and him cheating on his wife and all this other stuff. Being but, a normal person because we right. hold celebrities to a different standard. Right. When they're offered like, more temptation him as than an a actor, like, sure, he's done some bad movies. There's some bad movies in there. Like, he yeah. made Gigli. That's, you know, he's made some terrible, yeah, terrible movies. You're better off. Um, but, like, I think in general, like, he's he's a good performer. And I, you know, he's one of those actors that... I think he's a better director than he is an actor, but I still think he's a solid actor and we're seeing on screen. Like, yeah. Just like uh, a couple of years ago, just seeing Gone Girl. Oh, was that's like, so good. What a, like, I think she got a lot of the press, but I think his performance is also really, really good there. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm excited for The Accountant and those are words I did not think I would ever string together in any sense. So there's that. Uh, anything else you want to add before we finish up? Not today. Okay. I'm going to leave them wanting more. There you go. Uh, so next time uh, the show airs, we will be talking about Frank to go with the accountant uh, because both of them have uh, some evidence of being savants in one way or another. Frank being a musical savant and the accountant being a mathematical savant. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no. 
the Michael Fassbender one that lasted two weeks and was nowhere, oh, was the, playing nowhere. Uh, God, I saw it. What? <laughs> oh, uh, the one by the director of Blue Valentine with uh, Light Between Oceans. The Light Ocean. Between Oceans. Yeah. We, our Fuck. five minds synced <laughs> up like, together. <laughs> it's like I did an episode. <laughs> Just because Blue's Clues was the best thing of your childhood <laughs> doesn't mean you should go back and watch it. <laughs> Directing TV now, you fucking failure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we can start. We probably should start your show. Oh, yeah. I've, I've now found it, so now I can go okay. back and look through. Thirty minutes this. later. All right, I guess we should record. <laughs> oh, right, that—that's why we're doing this. I forgot.